Welcome to Here at Haas. I'm your host, Ray Guan, and today we're joined by Stephen Grizzly, a full-time MBA student of the class of 2021. Stephen is a proud Midwesterner supporting the transition to clean energy. Welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate you having me. So why don't you just tell our listeners about your path to Haas? Sure. So my path to Haas really started maybe 10 or 12 years ago, right as I was finishing up, finishing up school. And I knew that I wanted to have a mission-driven career. That was definitely something that was important to me, but didn't really know what kind of mission I was going to find. So right out of undergrad, I ended up going into consulting, which is kind of a, a great way to see a lot and learn a lot. And I sort of stumbled across the clean energy transition as something that would be an opportunity to dedicate my career to fighting something that I really cared about, which is kind of the existential threat of climate change, while working in a field where the work is just really interesting. There's technology and business and policy all coming together. But mm-hmm. getting involved in that, I grew up in the Midwest and just coming from there, it's not necessarily the center of that space. And right. the Bay Area very much is one that's kind of a leader for that for sure. So I started looking at different ways to get more involved in the industry specifically and cost it out as an amazing place to come get more involved in that community. That's fascinating. It seems like management consulting took you to a variety of different projects. So when you were working as a management consultant, what attracted you to the energy industry or sector versus some other sectors that you could have also made a difference on? So yeah, there were a ton of different projects in retail and petrochemical and financial services. They all kind of have their ways in which they're interesting, but there was something that was just fundamentally different about energy and how much it impacts people's lives. And I think part of it, honestly, for me, the fact that there was a major, major transition that's happening right now in the energy industry worldwide was something I found Mm -hmm. super interesting. I think everyone sort of wants to be a part of something big that's really changing lives. And mm-hmm. for me, getting involved in the industry was was a good way to do that. Okay. So after working a few years then as a management consultant, why did you decide to do an MBA? It's a great question and one that I really asked myself as I was going through the process. For me, the MBA and specifically coming to Haas stood out as a way to be able to let me kind of pick a direction and just dive into it in a million different ways. And so coming to campus, I knew I could work with some of the clean energy startups that are here in the ecosystem. I could join Burke, which is just a wonderful group on campus, meet a bunch of other Mm -hmm. folks who are similarly trying to make their way into the industry. So speaking of Burke, you are the president of Burke. So I'll give you the opportunity. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about what is Burke? What does it stand for? It seems like you're very excited to talk about it, so would love to hear about it. <laughs> Absolutely. So Burke is the Berkeley Energy and Resources Collaborative. It is the, the largest energy and resources-focused student organization in the country, which we're very proud of. It was founded about 15 years ago, actually out of Haas, and then kind of spread across campus. Burke's mission is really to connect, educate, and motivate a whole mix of folks, so students, alumni, faculty, industry professionals, all in the interest of addressing some of the world's most important energy and resource challenges. Basically, it tries to bring people together from across a bunch of different disciplines to say, here is what really makes a difference in these industries, and this is what we're going to do about it. And so I've just loved being able to get involved from the standpoint of 
it just has such an incredible array of people who are current students or alumni who are involved in the, the organization. I saw that your co-president is actually a PhD student studying chemistry. What are some cross-functional projects or initiatives that Haas and other schools are currently working on or have worked on in the past? Sure. There's an opportunity for students across campus to get involved in, actually right now, called the Berkeley Mm -hmm. Innovative Solutions. So this is partially based out of Haas, partially based out of Berk, and it takes students from across the Berkeley community and lets them focus on a small-scale consulting-type project for clean tech companies and other companies focused on even more broad sustainability topics. And so that was something I got involved right when I moved to campus last year and worked on some really interesting AI and machine learning for refrigeration tech, which is brand new to me. But it brings folks together from the business school, from policy school, and from a bunch of different technical departments and really does some really great work for kind of organizations in the space. So then tell us what other benefits students can have as a Burke member. Sure. So the the biggest reason I joined Burke and the, I think some of the best value that I've had from the organization is actually a lot of our informal events. So I love our major events, the Energy Summit and Resources Symposium and all these kinds of major events. But the the more informal ways that we get together on different topics. So for instance, we have a, a happy hour that we call the think and drink. It's basically just an opportunity <laughs> for somebody who is interested in a topic to come and share what makes them so excited about it. I went to one of these last spring that was on lithium ion battery design. It was like going through slides, just trying to show exactly how you're going to fit more kind of battery density in this little tiny pouch. And people get so excited about some of these topics that they're really interested in. And then there's people Mm. like myself and people from other parts of the audience who've never really studied anything about that and who get to ask all the dumb questions that you normally wouldn't ask a PhD from Berkeley. So (laughs) it's just a really fun time um, to be able to meet other people and to learn a lot and kind of have an authentic way to, to grow your relationships and networks in the community. That's amazing. I'm curious how intelligent the conversations become after a few drinks. Um, <laughs> There's definitely <laughs> diminishing returns, but I like to think it gets better after a little while. Yeah, for sure. Got to have fun, you know. And then I also saw on the Burke website that you guys do a fair amount of company treks, some case competitions, and also workshops. Uh, would you care to elaborate on those as well? Sure. I guess one of the best parts of kind of the legacy of Burke having been around for a decade and a half now is that we have some really wonderful and super involved alumni. And it's amazing how much they're willing to try to connect current students from all over the organization to the companies that they're working at. And so these are folks that are at Tesla and Nextera and just kinds of all kinds of companies from big and small who are willing to come back and share kind of what they're learning on the job. There's That's a term that we call Burke shops. Again, we really like the Funds. I love it. Bring in folks from kind of from industry who come in and talk about the different topics that they're working on, and it's a great way to do that. Treks are treks are awesome too. We are we're actually currently planning something for later this fall that we're excited about bringing the the virtual trek to to all of our student mm. members, which is definitely an interesting challenge in these times. No, that's amazing. And so you mentioned that you know Burke collaborates with several different colleges across Berkeley. What other clubs does Burke ally with in creating some of these workshops or events? 
Yeah, absolutely. So one organization, it's actually a newer organization to campus, but we've worked with them quite a bit as the mobility club. And so there's a lot of overlap between the worlds of energy and the worlds of mobility, especially with electric vehicles and all that coming to the forefront. So we work with that organization. We work with the Jacobs School of Design on uh, a number of different projects. So we've, we held a hackathon this past spring that was focused on kind of bringing some of the work to life. And actually, if you drive around North Oakland, there's the real world result of that hackathon. It's basically a, a parking spot that was re-envisioned as outdoor dining and was delivered um, in a very mobile platform as part of it. So it's kind of a cool way to, to yeah, work across campus and take people from different backgrounds. And yeah, the Jacobs School and some others are definitely organizations we like to work with. Yeah. That's interesting that you bring that up because I'm just envisioning different uses, especially here during this shelter in place where not everyone's driving. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you asked about some of the other clubs on campus, but honestly, a lot of the ways Burke works is with some of the, some organizations off campus. So like our hackathon Mm -hmm. was with the Jacobs Institute of Design, but it was also sponsored by EDF and by some of the utilities around the area who are interested in some of these mobility solutions. And so we really enjoy being able to work with members of the school, people who are doing research, but also some of the folks who are kind of working in the field day to day and can help bring some of this to life. Okay. Well, now I want to kind of pivot to careers in energy and in sustainability. So in your experience here, you're going to your second year it seems like, Stephen, you've been involved in the energy field for quite some time now. What types of positions are students typically seeking within the energy industry and what skills are needed for those positions? Yeah, so there's a wide range of ways to get involved. I think when talking about folks from Haas and coming from the, sort of the business background, that can often look like going to a project developer, which is essentially the companies that go and say, hey, we need to build large-scale solar or wind. We need to get these projects actually made. And they're the ones who are figuring out where to put it, figuring out uh, sort of how to get it to participate in markets or to serve with a certain utility and figuring out all the negotiations and the the project finance and all those pieces. So that's a common one for sure. But then there's a whole other kind of set of opportunities that honestly looks a lot like working for your standard tech company. And that's talking about things like product marketing or product management and business development and all kind of the, the buzzwordy terms that are thrown out in, in business school <laughs> sure. for, for those kinds of roles. But they, the, the best part about energy is it sort of, it really spans the gamut of all kinds of opportunities. Okay. What would you say are some recommended electives for those who are thinking about careers in energy after taking those core classes? Yeah. So there's a wonderful class at Haas called Energy and Environmental Markets. It's in the spring, formerly taught by Professor Bornstein, most recently taught by Lucas Davis. And it is, it's is—it's been known for years to be just a really wonderful class at Berkeley. And I took it this spring with Lucas, and it really lived up to, to its promise. So that's a great one. There's a whole bunch of kind of classes and opportunities throughout Berkeley's campus. One that I highly recommend for any other electric grid geeks out there is Electric Power Systems with Duncan Calloway. It's fantastic and a great way to figure out all the physics of how the grid works. And even someone like myself who hasn't taken a science class since high school was able to make it through. So <laughs> highly recommend. Yeah. Now, is that a class at Haas or is it taught in another college? Uh, it's, it's taught kind of across the energy engineering or the computer science and electrical engineering programs. 
Stephen, I want to pivot next to what are some current issues that the energy industry is focused on? Yeah, so I think climate change and decarbonization is obviously a huge one. And that's one that resonates with quite a few of our members, both across the energy and the resources landscape. Mm -hmm. But then there's, there's a number of other issues around energy access is one, kind of the the lack of equity when it comes to both access and the cost of energy is something that really affects communities. And we've had a number of different sort of events trying to help highlight that. And there's some great Burke members and Berkeley students who are researching that topic. But yeah, I, I think looking for a way to sort of equitably make the transition to zero carbon energy is, is ultimately the biggest challenge, but there's just so many smaller challenges wrapped within that. And it relates really well to the natural resources landscape of just trying to say, like, how do we make a world that more efficiently uses what we have in a way that, that doesn't take away from people who already have the lease? Right. And so for folks like myself or others who aren't energy fanatics, so to speak, but are interested in contributing to reducing the effects of climate change uh, or carbonization, what are some of your recommendations to folks who are concerned about these issues, but not necessarily involved in energy as a career? Yeah, so I'll start by saying we definitely need more smart and motivated people to dedicate their careers to energy. So huge plug for if you're thinking about it on the fence, totally go for it. It's awesome. I think one of the great things and honestly, one of the terrifying things about some of these challenges is that it affects every industry and every role and every function. So you could be in healthcare and Air pollution coming from energy is, I think, the fourth leading cause of death globally and is directly linked to some of these challenges. If you work for, like, I don't know, an online dating app, then, like, trying to come up with cheap dating suggestions when the wildfires are making it impossible to go outside <laughs> is a challenge you're going to have to deal yeah. with. So I may be stretching a little bit, but I just think that there, <laughs> there are a lot of ways in which these challenges kind of interweave. And ultimately, I think the best thing that folks can do is sort of look for the specific ways in which you can make a difference in the capacity that you're in. And I think if everyone right. finds a way to kind of at least even just kind of consider the results of some of the the actions and some of the, the work that they're doing, then that really brings us along because it's very much a team sport. Right. We're recording this on September 15th. And the last five days in the Bay Area, we have had like the air quality index has been horrible. One week ago today, in fact, I think the skies were orange. Yep. I don't know if you saw the, <laughs> yeah, the, the trip to Mars that we all took. Exactly. Exactly. It was like, wait, is this really 10 a.m.? Are we sure this isn't <laughs> Yeah, like another planet? Or, you know, later in the evening. And so this is actually it's, it's funny where this is a well timed podcast recording, at least. <laughs> Cool. Well, Stephen, you are going into your second year at Haas and you did a summer internship. I actually want to ask you first about the process you went through in seeking an internship and how did you end up landing one? So I think my internship search probably isn't the most typical of some of these Haas students or some of my Mm -hmm. fellow Haas students, but I really started thinking about the internship from day one when I got here. And that probably sounds a little overeager, but I think one of the things that is a great opportunity at Haas is the chance to work with some really interesting organizations, even while we're taking classes and during the school year. And so I sort of came came to campus and knew that software is a really interesting tool 
to be able to to use for some of these challenges. And it was something where I had not had any software experience. So I came to campus and actually used Haas's access to PitchBook to look up some companies that were recently founded who were working on in the clean energy space, but specifically with the software bend, and came across a company by the name of Camu Energy that was founded by a few ex-Google engineers who uh, were working on a really interesting problem. And I just cold outreach to them via email and sent an email saying like, hey, I'm a Haas student and really interested in working on some of these challenges and got lucky in that they were they were interested in, in talking to me a little bit more. And so started working for them this past January part-time and really enjoyed it. And that eventually blossomed into, into an opportunity to join them full-time for the summer. Wow. Sounds like you knew you were, what you were looking for and uh, was able to achieve it. Is there a typical time period for recruiting from energy companies or is that you know year round? Yeah, so it's it's really dependent a bit upon the size of the company, which is a pretty interesting split within energy. So there are larger utilities or project developers or kind of just tech companies that are interested in and have an energy arm. Those organizations are the ones that will start recruiting in the October, November, December timeframe. For the vast majority of the folks, at least at Haas, that are going into energy, the recruiting really isn't starting until spring break, so maybe mid-March and April. And that's usually because the organizations we're talking to are smaller companies who are still trying to figure out kind of what roles they want to fit in. And I think there's just more of a uh, aversion to have kind of this consistent, this is exactly kind of the role we want to fill uh, within that industry. So um, while it's a bit of a mix, for sure, I'd say that there's quite a few folks who are really kicking off their search in earnest in the early spring. And I guess, what would you say are some of those major players that recruit earlier in the year? Sure. So there are some some of the California utilities. So Southern California Edison, PG&E are, are ones that come early. There's some of the oil and gas majors and especially some of their new energy divisions. So Shell and Chevron and Total are, are definitely out here. There's actually a number of utilities from Europe that have arms here that are doing some really interesting work. So Enel uh, and their NLX arm and EDF. Uh, but yeah, it's really a lot of the, the larger utilities and energy organizations that are starting earlier. Awesome. Well, now you are going into your second year at Haas. We're kind of at the beginning. And I have to point out kind of the elephant that's been in the room for a while, which is that we're having classes, we're living during this pandemic of COVID-19. So with that in mind, what are you most looking forward to in your second year here at Haas? It's an interesting experience stepping into this space, having had the on-person experience for roughly half of my MBA, and then stepping into virtual for this year. In reflecting before the year on sort of what I was eager to do and sort of how I thought things were going to change, one thing that really came to mind is that I was interested in sort of doubling down on some of the better relationships that I had built. I think there's a tendency in business school to just have so much going on and to get involved in so many things that then all of a sudden that semester, that year is done and gone. And I know at the end of this year, I'll be I'll be moving back to Chicago. So I think one thing that this has sort of helped me get excited about is sort of having the core group of people who I am really excited to be able to build better relationships with and sort of focus my efforts there. What I'm hearing, I guess, is kind of the quality of the relationships, maybe versus the quantity. 
yeah, I think what it is is as much as I miss the ability to have kind of the serendipity of meeting new people and and having kind of those new experiences, the bar to be able mm-hmm. to interact with folks is a lot higher. And so it forces you to be a lot more intentional about who you're building relationships with and sort of how you're spending your time. And I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of benefits to that, that level of intention. Right. And I think one of the things that you said at the beginning was, look, we started this program, you and I both, I'm in the evening weekend, you're in full time in person, right? And so transitioning from in person to virtual has been maybe rough is kind of an understatement (laughs) on how the transition has gone. But you're right, I feel like Zoom and other virtual networking opportunities, it's much easier to maintain relationships than to build new ones. And I think you're spot on in terms of you have to be deliberate on who you want to connect with, which I think in a larger sense goes to, I mean, look, Haas, we have one of the smallest MBA class sizes of those universities that are in you know the top 10 or the top 20. But even then, it's I think it's 300 people on average per class for full-time for EW as well. And that's a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, there's 75 people. There's 70 people in our cohort, right? And so I think a way I thought of it coming in was like, well, out of those 70 people, if I can have great relationships or relationships that last past graduation with maybe five to 10 of those, that's a huge win. Yeah, I mean, there's only there's only so much time that we, we ever are going to have. And yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. been something that's been a change is just how we go about deciding how we want to spend our time. Right. And you mentioned moving back to Chicago after graduating this upcoming year from the full-time MBA program. What do you want to do after graduation? <laughs> that is the, that is the grand question. I have some longer-term visions of trying to get involved in this clean energy space in the Midwest. And so as long as sort of the steps that I'm taking are helping me get closer to the vision of trying to help build a more equitable, decarbonized energy future there, then then I'm happy. Mm-hmm. So still a little TBD on exactly what that looks like, but but I'm excited to, to get back to the Midwest then. All right. Well, lastly, we have some lightning round questions. And the first set of questions I have for you is yay or nay, in terms of like, do you own, do you currently own this product, which is related to energy? So first of all, rechargeable batteries. Yay. Hybrid cars. Nay. Uh, solar powered calculator. Yay. LED light bulbs. Yay. And smart appliances that aren't TVs or aren't electronics. So like a smart fridge or a smart smoke detector. I'm gonna say or... nay. I'm still still a poor grad student. So <laughs> Okay. Well three out of five, that's pretty good. Do you have a book or podcast recommendation? Yay. We're done with uh, yeah. the yay or nay round. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I do. I just finished reading Into Thin Air by John Krakauer, which has nothing to do with energy and everything to do with like a crazy experience on Mount Everest, but it has really stuck with me. So that's definitely a book I really enjoyed. Is, is that one of your goals is to climb Mount Everest? Absolutely to... not. And I'm glad that this gave me much better <laughs> reason to not have that as a goal. Okay. And then what is a shelter in place hobby that you've adopted? Good or bad? Great question. I have definitely done a lot more doom scrolling on Instagram 
but I don't know if that would be a new hobby. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can tell you mine. I, I take a daily siesta <laughs> uh, around when I don't have meetings. Siesta's good. So. I currently spend a lot more time than I used to making lists in Airbnb as to places that I would like to stay. Nice. It looks like you've uh, thought about where you want to go maybe after uh, the shelter in place is lifted as well. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then what are two attributes about you that don't make sense together? <laughs> well, the first one makes sense with the book recommendation that I gave, which is that I mm -hmm. very much adore mountaineering, the kind of the sport of trying to go high up on a mountain and throw on like crampons and a backpack and just keep walking up it. But yeah. I am super, super, super scared of heights. So mm. even like reading that book when I was safely in my bed at home, I was still like sweating <laughs> buckets from my hand. <laughs> so are you afraid of heights or are you afraid of falling or is it just heights? I, guess? I will say, yeah, I don't know if I, if I necessarily, if my brain sees much of a difference between, between heights. I'd like to think that since I'm, a little on the taller end. I'm just afraid that any balcony is going to be below waist height and I'm going to tumble to my doom. But <laughs> I know that's pretty unlikely. So, Because the thing is, I always thought I was afraid of heights too because when even when I went to a baseball game and I was sitting on like the top <laughs> deck of the stadium and I looked down, I felt my hands sweating. But I actually did some zip lining. This is maybe three, four years ago in like Costa Rica. And because you're just going straight and not falling, like I was fine with it. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was amazing. But then last week I actually had a friend who wanted me to go skydiving with him. <laughs> I just started feeling like I just started sweating. Like I need to, it sounds like I need to go zip lining and figure it out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. One last question uh, before we wrap is what advice do you have for incoming or even first year students as they're going along this MBA process during shelter in place? I think the best advice that I would give is I feel like coming into the program, there's a lot of pressure to know for sure what you want to do. And if you don't know it, then the, the goal is to figure it out kind of as quickly as you can. And mm -hmm. I think in my experience, it sort of sounds like when, when I talk to other folks, it makes it sound like I knew exactly what I wanted to do coming in. But I think the biggest thing was just sort of like picking a hypothesis and saying, this is kind of what I think might make me happy, and then just going for it. And then not being afraid, mm -hmm. if you find out that you don't like it, that you can always change it. You can always try something different and try something new. And so I think that's my, my big thing is kind of pick something and just go for it and never be afraid to change your mind. Yeah. And I think you talked about wanting to be involved in the energy space, but you also said there are so many different positions, right? And so like we were talking about earlier with cold emailing, with you know networking, there's a lot that went on between what happened in day one versus when you secured an internship. And even looking forward, it sounds like you still have some thinking to do this upcoming year. For sure. Cool. Well, this has been a pleasure, Stephen. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Awesome. Thanks, Ray. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Here at Haas. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend and fellow Haasi. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review. For more Haas podcasts, check out our interviews with alumni on One Haas and the One Haas Undergraduate Podcast. I'm Ray Guan, and we'll see you next time here at Haas.
Haas。